It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, Pitt fans? Welcome back to another Pitt Mailbag here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. He is Chris Carter. I am Noah Hiles. Carter, we're three weeks in, and uh, it just really keeps getting uglier every single time we are on this show. It just It's just getting worse. Pitt loses again, this time 17-6 to on the road in Morgantown, West Virginia, and uh, it's not looking good as the Panthers pre- prepare for a Week 4 matchup against North Carolina. In my time covering Pitt, which has only been this is my fourth season, Whenever disaster has been on 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 the for, forefront of the Panthers, they have avoided it, and uh, and it doesn't mean you know, not. And I don't mean like bad things because certainly they've had bad moments. And in fact, Saturday was a bad moment. But if they do not turn it around soon, Noah, we we talk about this season very differently, and it could do a lot of damage to all the goodwill that Pitt has built up in just the last few years under Pat Narduzzi. But we got a lot of questions. Let's get to those. We do indeed. But before we get to them, we need to talk about our presenting sponsor, which is Mike's Beer Bar. Whether yeah. if you're whether if you're in town for a Steelers game like tonight, Pirates, Pitt, uh, or anything else, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town, as well as an amazing. A plethora of food options. They have over 20 TVs, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available available beers, 300 of them being local beers, as well as their 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight to try out every option you can dream of, and trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do, and I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you can choose how hot you want your steak cooked with a a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. That's Mike's Beer Bar. Come on down and get your fix and experience at the best bar in the city of Pittsburgh. So, Carter, let's get right after it. Lots of questions. We start off with the notorious, I don't know if this is Biggie from the Grave or Conor McGregor, uh, but we (laughs) will answer either one of their questions. With the offense struggling, clearly running game stagnant. Quarterback has the yips. Receivers can't catch. Why in the world has Gavin Bartholomew not been involved much? He makes plays every time he touches the ball. He should be option number one at this point. No. Carter, you can start it off here. Yeah, it's one of the things that continues to baffle us. Noah, that was the, it was one of the main topics going into this season, right? Like, you know, oh, this was going to be the year that Gavin Bartholomew gets more looks, gets more touches. He becomes a more focal part of this offense. And here we are yet again. And it's crazy. In the two losses, the like the like the biggest plays they had on offense that they that they had 
you know, often came from Gavin Bartholomew. I think the longest play of the Cincinnati game was a pass to Gavin Bartholomew. Longest play for either side against in the West Virginia game, a pass to Gavin Bartholomew. It's like there's something special there that should be thrown to a lot more, and it's just not. And look, I think part of this has been the approach that we talked about. I wrote about this in my film study. You know, Frank Signetti, Phil Jacobic, they've talked about in, in a, a quarterback in a system. Traditionally, you want to have survey the field, be able to take what the defense is is giving you and go where that go where they're not. And that means being aware of where all your players are and being able to distribute the football. Phil Dracovic hasn't been doing that, and that's been rough for him. So this is where you have to, you know what, line up one to two options. You have option A, option B, or throw it away or run. The, the, make, make, those, make it that simple for him and make sure that on nine out of ten of those times, Gavin Bartholomew is A or B and preferably A. And then if you do that, you can put yourself in better situations. And then if Phil Dracovic digs himself out of this hole, because as we've seen, He's not losing the starting job anytime soon. We'll get more of that later. But, um, you know, but if if, if Phil Jacobo is going to dig his way out of his hole, you want him to do it with your best playmakers. And that's often what makes things easier. Noah, what's your thoughts on this? I, I mean, you, you talked about the production from Bartholomew. Let's talk about the few moments where Jacobic has looked good this season. I feel like every single good throw he's made has been to Gavin Bartholomew. His best throw in week one against Wofford was that throw over the middle where Gavin went up and got it. He said himself, that was his favorite throw he made that game. You, you look at week two against Cincinnati. His two best throws of that game were on the same drive. It was a 60-yard completion down the sideline to Bartholomew, catch and yep. run. And then the final play of that drive was, I think, a 16-yard touchdown pass to Gavin Bartholomew over the middle. And I think that was the same exact play where they connected against Wofford. And they ran that same play in week three against West Virginia in the fourth quarter to Gavin Bartholomew. And that resulted in... I, something i think it was at least 20 yards if i'm not mistaken 20, I think it was 27 27 it was the it was their longest offensive play again so yeah. not only is gavin making it happen that's when phil looks the most comfortable is when he's throwing that that seam route that 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 ball over the middle and saying go up and get it big fella and the guy can go up and do it i i don't and that's not me saying run the same play every time you don't want to do that obviously but We've seen the playbook benefit tight ends in the past. We've seen it yep. happen at Boston College. We've seen it happen in Pittsburgh. Signetti's first time here. I don't get why there isn't more of an emphasis on getting this guy involved. They're, they're, they're going out of their way to make sure three different running backs are all involved. They're going out of their way to make sure Bub Means is targeted. And I thought they went out of their way to get Kanate Mumfield a lot of targets last week. But man, oh man, I, it, it's it's like 15 games now. They're not, yeah. and it, it's four different quarterbacks if you think about it. So since yep. I've been on the beat, four different quarterbacks have started a game, and none of them have really got Bartholomew involved to the level that I think he should be. There have not been many players on Pitt's offense that have had a good season this year. I think Gavin's been their best offensive player, and I don't think it's particularly close. Now, other guys could potentially replace him if they get more involved. I think Rodney Ham and Jr. could potentially be a bigger impact guy than him. Maybe one of the receivers. I mean, maybe a quarterback if anything changes, but like Gavin has been solid. And for him to only have seven receptions through three games, I thought we were done. Thought we were done talking about this, but I guess not because it needs to be talked about. It does. C-Dog has our next question. C-Dog wants to know, why won't Narduzzi replace a quarterback when the play has been atrocious, but he will make changes at other spots 
parentheses, guard and safety. Chris, I'll let you start with this one because you started the press conference with this one uh, Monday afternoon. Asked, this was the first question we had the chance to ask Pat Narduzzi uh, Monday morning. Yeah, because I mean, also I asked him about you know why won't you know is there a lack of I asked after the game is there a lack of confidence in Christian Bayer and he says no you guys want to dump on people we don't do that and I think the quote was along the lines of whether it's cornerback tackle or quarterback we don't you know we we don't dump on guys blah 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 and so he goes on to basically say like you know they have faith in their guys and let guys fight through it and immediately when he said that I was sitting in the press conference thinking like you know EJ Borghetti just said there's two more questions so I'm gonna let other people ask their questions but. B.J. Williams replaced Jason Collier after one game, and Donovan McMillan replaced uh, Philip O'Brien Jr. after two games. So clearly that's not the case across the board. So I gave Pat Narduzzi a chance to clarify that. And he didn't really. His main thing that he basically said, to be fair to him, he's, he said, you know, quarterback is a completely different animal, which it is. I get that because it's safety. It's natural. To, he brings up it's natural to rotate players at the safety position. You can't really rotate quarterbacks too often unless you make that a point. But, you know, to a lot, what a lot of people point to is like, this is college football. It happens all the time. Nick Saban does it. Nick Saban's done it and won national championships doing it. And maybe the answer is that they don't want to say that Christian Bayer isn't looking good in practice or something and they're trying to protect you know putting putting that out there but he's not doing a good job of explaining to the public why is this quarterback who is so obviously just shot right now Phil Jacobic I don't care what anybody says you look at the tape and, and I and I like you know Pat Narduzzi says look at the tape I looked at the tape you guys drew up plenty of wide open receivers, running backs, tight ends for him, and he just wasn't seeing them consistently throughout the throughout the evening. After that second interception, that's when I was like, you, you shut it down, give give Vayer a shot. If he stinks, fills back in the next week. But if he's if, if he's great, then you have then, then you try to ride the hot hand because clearly it ain't it right now. It's been multiple games. I think that Pat Narduzzi is trying to cover up for Phil Jakovic because I think he thinks he can get through his guy and to credit Pat, Pat Narduzzi. He has done that with so many people. Chris Blewett, when he was missing kicks against Clemson, he kissed him and he was like, hey, you're going to get in. Then lo and behold, Chris Blewett made one of the biggest kits, kicks in pit history. Ben Sauls has struggled the same way. He put he put faith in him. Pat Narduzzi has had faith in his guys at different times, and it's paid off on a few times. It's also come back to bite pit a few times. We look at Keaton Slovis last year and how Nick Patty was able to finish, finish the year. I don't know if if Pat Narduzzi is just scared to 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 broach the possibility of replacing Phil, but he won't entertain the notion the, the simple concept that they could try another guy there at least for even a quarter. All right, so I knew the answer to that question that you asked. Like I, I knew how he was going to answer, it. and and it, and it makes sense. You're right. Quarterback is not the same position as safety or guard and those those were those two specific positions were probably the two biggest spots up for grabs heading into camp this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in shopify's there to help you grow Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We knew there was a battle for guard. We knew there was two battles at safety. So it makes sense that they're still not content with who they have in those spots, especially with there being an injury at one of those two spots. Now, what I'm going to go back to, though, my retort would be this, is this is a guy who told me, he told everyone that every position is always up for grabs. Mm -hmm. So I just looked up while you were talking, Chris, and I was listening, I promise, because I'm a good friend and beat partner. You're fine. Uh, but I, I, I asked him about Phil Dracovic and our one-on-one and my one-on-one I had with Pat in late July, right before camp started at ACC media day. And I asked him, you know, why Phil, what Phil did to inspire the confidence to get an invite to media day, to be named a starter in the spring, things that did not happen for Keaton Slovis last year. Here's his answer verbatim. This is a direct transcript. I don't remember saying he is the starter, but I'll say this. At this point, Phil is the starting quarterback. I think he's earned that. He's played well. He's protected the football. He's been the thing you need to be at that position, but you still got to go do it. If he goes out and throws a bunch of picks and doesn't play well, things will change. We've got a lot of faith in Nate Yarnell and Christian Ballou. Well. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> That's, I don't, I don't get it. And and again, I will say that today, later on in the press conference, he was asked, what has Phil done to maintain this starting position? And he pointed out that there's more data that exists than just three games. He he talked about everything that they've, they've logged from spring ball to fall camp. I know that he mentioned during fall camp that he completed like 77% of his passes he wasn't throwing a lot of interceptions. That's why they won the first scrimmage in fall camp. But at, certain, at a certain point, the game has to trump how one yeah. plays in practice. No? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just that's, – that's my thing. That's what I don't get. Clearly, you're going to have a rotation on the offensive line and a rotation in the secondary that's going to come a lot quicker to develop than one would be at quarterback. And clearly, your quarterback should normally get a longer leash before you bench him. But if this was your mentality that I just read at the start of the season, then what has he done to go against that? In, in games, anyway. And, and yeah. if, if they're just going off of practice, what that tells me is that Christian Vare must not be very good at practice. Because... Phil Dracovic hasn't been very good in the games. And and I get it. We're good. He's good at practice, but you would think that if there was even just a little bit of a gap there between the two in practice, that there would be some consideration. But there isn't right now. This is a guy who's going to start after failing to complete over 35% of his pass. Or no, he completed 40%, excuse me. After having a 40% completion percentage or lower in his last two starts. So We'll move forward now. Joe wants to know, given that Signetti's offensive concepts produced both a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver last year, Abanakana and Jared Wayne, do you 
think it's more poor execution rather than scheme that is the main culprit for these early offseason woes. I'll start with this one. I think it's a little bit of both. I think clearly there is some poor execution here. You can go back and watch the film. Offensive linemen are not making their blocks, although I will say I thought the offensive line played a lot better in week three than it did in week two. I think that the running backs have probably not played the best that they've been capable of playing. I think the receivers are clearly underperforming right now. They're not hanging on to every ball that hits their hands and they don't look to be on the same page as their quarterback, but the big, and of course the biggest player that's not executing is the starting quarterback right now. Um, But I think that those pass blunders, be it guys dropping passes, running backs, not executing offensive line mistakes have, affected the way that Pitt's offense goes about its business. I think that they, there was some scared play calling in Morgantown. Mm -hmm. And you can point to some specific situations. Two that stood out for me. One specifically that stood out to me, I should say, was when they had the ball back at their own one-yard line. After after West Virginia pinned Pitt, it was, I think, in the second quarter. They pinned Pitt deep in their own territory at the one-yard line. And there was never even a consideration to like go in the yeah. gun and, and throw and be aggressive. It was just because I, I think the fear was more bad could happen than good. That That's that Woody Hayes mentality that when you throw the football, three things can happen and two of them are bad. And, and I think that, that that mentality was, well, if we throw the ball, it could be incomplete and stop the clock. It could result in a sack. It could result in an interception. And if you're playing that scared, then there's a problem. There's no trust with between the guy calling the plays and the players running those plays. And that's that's a big issue. So my answer would be it's on both. The players aren't executing, but their failed execution in prior weeks and prior circumstances has led to a change in strategy. It, it, it absolutely does. I think it's something that both Pittsburgh football teams are experiencing right yeah. now is that if you don't have execution on the basic things, there's no complexity that could come after that. Like if you know, people like I, I had people tweeting like, oh, uh, the Steelers should run like what the Dolphins are doing right now. I'm like, yeah, but the Dolphins are hitting, you know, their five yard slants and they're doing the basic things. And Kenny Pickett was missing those. The same thing goes for Phil Jakovic. You can't get to the complex parts of an offense if your basic parts don't work. And we saw early in the game when they were running the ball. Oh, it was a problem. But you know what stopped the run? It was West Virginia saying, okay, throw it now. We yeah. dare you. Go ahead. Do it. And Pitt just couldn't. And if Pitt, if Phil Jakovic hits one big pass play early in that game, it puts West Virginia in a, oh, man, he's actually maybe a little bit more dangerous than we gave him credit for. We're going to have to respect both. And that means the run game can open up a, a little bit more. But, I mean, when you got Benny Bishop Jr., a dude who was getting toasted, the other week, Duquesne threw for 260 plus yards and two touchdowns. And this dude came into the game, got an interception, and after the game said, We knew Phil Dracovic wasn't good at his job. That's all you need to know, right there. Yeah. Like, like this, this isn't this isn't some complex answer. And I did this a film study. There were open guys and open guys in very reasonable positions. There were even plays where Signetti had. Dracovic rolled to the wide side of the field with plenty of field with four receivers on that side of the field to choose from and say, Hey, 
pick the one they're not covering. And on the second interception, you had Bub Means, who actually kind of broke open, and if he launches it to the end zone, he might have a shot out of it. You had, I think it was Mumfield, who was who was blanketed. He was double covered. You had Gar- Bartholomew, who was covered. But you had Rodney Hammond open over the middle. And Dracovic threw it somewhere between Mumfield being double covered and under through or under through Bub Means. And either way, it was just right to the defense. And it's a place like that. You did everything you could as a, as a play caller to give an opportunity, and it didn't work. So that, to me, that puts it on execution. Now, where coach, I know people want to point at coaching. And listen, you coaching, like coaches will say, bottom line, didn't work. That means it starts with me. I got to be better. Where I do think you could bring coaching into question here is a huge reason to be excited about Phil Dracovic when he was brought in was his obvious connection with Frank Signetti. They coach, he coached him for two years as his OC at Boston College. And Phil Dracovic looked good at times. At Boston College. And there were things that, that, that to like about that. But we're not seeing this connection that's supposed to be there. And Frank Signetti, his number one job, if Phil Dracovic's got to be his quarterback, you got to be able to get him in a mindset, like we said before, hey, your reads are Gavin, Mumfield, throw it away. Right. Or run. Because it's clear Phil's likes running, and he's good at it. Like, that's one of the things that he – that's maybe the only thing he did right was run with the football against yeah. West Virginia. This is on execution, and it's on Pitt to figure out a way to either get him to execute or get someone who will. And we 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 pretty much heard they're not doing the latter here, so it's going to be on the former. On the note of someone who will uh, execute, Andrew yeah. wants to know what is the worry with Christian Veyer? Do they really think he could be worse than Phil Dracovic? Um, I I actually wanted to click on this one before I could expand upon what you were talking about there at the end, Carter, because. Yeah, that was that was the big bonus, right? When when they when they brought in Phil, it was they actually have a quarterback right now who knows this offense. And it's Cincinnati's game, while he looked bad, he at least was making the right throw. You know, like where the go balls were were called for, he was throwing it to the spots. It's just the ball wasn't getting there or the guy wasn't looking for it or whatever the excuse was. He did not look like a competent person in this offense last weekend it just didn't and so that that's my thing now is if and and that's going to be the big red flag right of why that that they're they're saying oh he's not going to be ready i don't know if he's ready he's still learning the offense you don't want to have a repeat of keaton slovis last year where you have a guy who's traditionally played in a spread offense where it's quick snap quick read throw um this is a little bit more complicated it takes time to learn and they would rather play someone that's more familiar with it. Well, how's that familiarity going so far? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it can look good in practice, but if it's not translating, then you have to give someone else an opportunity. And if, if Veyer isn't the guy, then maybe go with the other guy who's been in the offense for two years. The guy who won you a football game last year, Nate Yarnell being that person. That's yeah. my thought too, is he's not the only option. But as far as Veyer, I don't know. From the limited time that I've seen him practice, he looks like a talented quarterback. You, you yeah. know, he has a good arm. He, I, it seems like his teammates like him and respect him, but clearly he hasn't done enough in practice from everything we've heard because <laughs> all, all, all off season, all, all spring, all fall camp was how great Phil has done. And he was, meanwhile, Christian was battling with Yarnell for that second spot. So 
I don't know. And I think he probably got that second spot because he is the more talented of the two. But at this point in time, I honestly have to ask. I mean, yeah, I agree. How much worse could he be? Is that the mentality you want to have? Do you want it, or would you rather play someone who you think could be better, not just equally bad? But honestly, I, I think he probably could be. In, 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 in Phil's case here, I think it might be a product of overthinking things. Mm. Where maybe if you bring in a guy who doesn't know it as well, he might just keep it simple and really just trust his coaching. That's my thought on it. What a tears, Carter. I just I look at Veyer, and you, I, we, you're right. We don't know. I, I thought he looked good in the spring game. The practices we saw him in, I thought he was fine. I'm not saying that Phil Dracovic needs to never touch the field again. My whole point is you got to protect him when he's hurting himself. And Phil Dracovic, with the way that he was playing, was not helping himself. And sometimes as a coach, you just need to be able to say, hey, we're not pulling the plug. We're just giving you a chance. The Bengals benched Joe Burrow. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. In week one of this season. Why? Because he just, it wasn't his day and you get, you had to protect him. And the Browns weren't even doing anything all that special. He just, he wasn't seeing it. It wasn't, it wasn't his day. That's where Pitt can step in and be like, hey, Phil, we got a lot of love for you. We think that you're going to be the man. But today you don't got it. Let's give this other guy a shot and just see if we can get through this game. And then you reevaluate afterwards. But if the worry is that Christian Bayer is going to do so much worse than 81 passing yards, zero touchdowns, and three interceptions to a passing defense that I repeat gave up more than double, almost, wait a second, more than triple the amount of passing yards to Duquesne. And two passing touchdowns. If he can't do that against West Virginia, you Christian Veyer, if he's worse than that, then we just got to see that. But I'd bet odds if you if you schemed up a game plan where you're keeping it simple in the passing game just to get yourself chances in the run game, play that way. Play that way to grind and see if it. If it doesn't work, then you go back to Phil. But what, I, I understand having faith in your players. I'm all for that. And again, I like Phil. I think he if he can if he can get out of his own way, he will be a he can turn back into a good quarterback. But you cannot deny reality right now and that he is hurting himself and not doing things that you that, that you're scheming up for him that are there available to him and he's in his own head. So that yeah. that's where I'm at on this. I, I, a lot of people talked about this weekend. They pointed out they said, well, Nick Saban played three quarterbacks against South Florida. And that's yeah. a great point. And yeah. 
you know, and I heard some rebuttals being like, well, you know, he's playing South Florida. I'm pretty sure they were home. You don't want to throw a guy into a chaotic atmosphere like the brawl for his first time. Well, let's talk about another time Nick Saban benched a quarterback. Mm. How about when he benched Jalen Hurts in the national championship game? National championship game. For Tua, a guy who had never started. And granted, I mean, Tua and Jalen Hurts went on to do some pretty big things. and They're pretty good right now. I don't know if (laughs) Phil or Christian Bayer ever had that amount of hype connected to either one of them. Um, But, man, it comes down to trusting your personnel. And if that isn't a guy that you feel is ready to to come in and make plays, then, then why are you bringing him in in the transfer portal? Why are you making him number two on your depth chart? I, I just don't understand these things. So John wants to know, have there been any rumors of players transferring or recruits bailing after the last two horrific Saturdays? I think this is a really quick one. No, there haven't been any rumors publicly. I'm sure guys have considered it. I'm sure because I mean, yeah. they're, they're college kids. They probably consider their options after any negative moment. I know I would when I was in their position. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it still is week three. We don't know what the offense is going to look like Saturday. I mean, we can take a pretty educated guess, but overall, I mean, things, things turn around or, or they get worse. It it doesn't matter. So I think right now, a lot of guys would just say it's, it's way too early for anyone to, to have a judgment one way or another. They might feel a certain type of way. um, But I'm willing to bet that after investing so much of their time and effort throughout spring ball, the off season, that they're not willing to just pack it up and quit after three weeks, especially if they're guys, you know, if there are guys like we saw in 2020 when half the country was opting out and there were guys that were, you know, they, they knew they had a future at the next level, at least most of them knew a lot of them thought Um, Mm -hmm. there, there aren't a lot of guys like that on this team. A lot of these guys know that they need it to work out here for them to either go on to the NFL or, be an attractive candidate for another team in the portal. They don't want to go from Pitt to a Mac school. So they kind of have to remain invested. And I think that, you know, if this persists though, yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys who consider transferring um, if this goes on for another nine weeks. So last question here. Oh, sorry, Carter. I didn't even let you answer. Sorry. Go ahead. I I was just going to repeat what you said, basically. Just say that, you know, there aren't there aren't now, but guys do think about th- think about these types of things and and how and, and how the team shows up. But guys also, I think you know, I think Pitt does a really good job staying in contact with 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 their players. They try they they try to show them like, hey, is that in the third? I mean, we've seen we've seen it react, and not just in football, in basketball. When when Pitt basketball lost to the Citadel in twenty twenty. One twenty-one, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty. It was it was the fall of twenty-one when they lost that game. The next day, they lost their their star recruit, who then went to Syracuse uh, to you know short shortly afterwards. So like, players pay attention to stuff. But I think one thing that Pitt football does have is that even with these with this, these early struggles, they still have a recent track record that people are like going to look at and say like, well, they may be going through some rough times, but I can be part of the good times again. But Certainly, you do not want to add any more fire or any more gasoline to that flame to that that's going to give people more reasons to question what direction your program's headed in. Yeah. And also, I, I, one final element, as far as the high school recruiting aspect goes, I mean, most of the Pitt's notable recruits are defense players, and the defenses look pretty good. So <laughs> that's probably one thing I Very think true. that might keep them around, um, although obviously you want good players on your offensive 
side of the football too moving forward. Final question of this pit mailbag, uh, not from KS wants to know, what does it say to prospective pit quarterback recruits and undergraduates when opportunities for the starting position is pulled out from recruited players by a transfer student that is clearly underperforming, perhaps more simply, how committed is Pitt to player development? I'll say this. I mean, I think what it says is that Pitt is approaching its roster construction like every other college team in the country right now. Right. It's going to play the best players possible. And, um, yeah, it, it hasn't done a great job at recruiting quarterbacks. It just hasn't. It, it doesn't have a lot of guys on its current roster that – came in here straight out of high school uh especially i mean the top two guys on the depth chart were transfers in and the top guy on the depth chart last year was a transfer as well so that i think the development side is probably a bigger concern um but as far as you know the depth chart going they're gonna play who they think is the best player and it makes sense why to me why phil was the starter at the beginning of the season and why bayer was the backup those are the two most talented guys in that quarterback yeah. room, at least from what I've seen. So, yeah, I, I think it goes more on to – I think it's more of an indictment in, in that Pitt can't really find a lot of good quarterback recruits. I mean, they found a good one in Kenny Pickett, whatever – when was his senior year of high school, 2016, 2017? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, I mean, yeah, they, they've landed a couple of guys who were four-star players in high school or – but for whatever reason, they've not been able to develop a successor to Kenny Pickett. And they've had they had four years to do so under him after he took over the starting job as a true freshman. Uh, that didn't happen. They had a, a year to do it last year, and they had a year to do it this year. So now you, you've got almost half a decade, and I get that that spans over three different offensive coordinators, which also might be a problem. Uh, it might play a role in why they can't successfully develop quarterbacks uh but yeah overall i think it's the development under center by guys you're bringing in at the high school level is the bigger issue than giving opportunities to guys in the transfer portal because you only bring in guys from the portal who will start when you don't feel that you've developed well right at certain positions yeah, or or you know, a guy just is moving, and you're like, oh well, gotta gotta pounce on that one. Like I like I feel like Pitt was confident about their safeties coming into this year with the guys that they developed, but when you see Donovan McMillan, they're like, oh, right. let's let's go bring him in. It, yeah. It's you know, but but uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like you want your players to be homegrown, and Pat Narduzzi has made it clear that like, he's like that's who Pitt wants to be. Like you're not gonna not be active in the transfer portal because that's stupid. There's so much talent out there, and you have to be aware of it. But Pitt has to know that they that, that this is their way to build. And I think that they do know that. And so, you know, sure, there's a lot of things that you could gleam or that other outside, you know, that future players could 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 gleam from how they're handling the, this situation. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is relationships. And and maybe this is part of it. Maybe Pat Narduzzi is you know, he truly sees something in his relationship with Phil is what he wants to maintain moving forward. And, and he wants to do that. But you cannot sacrifice. The, the relationships of everyone else on the team for for one quarterback here. And if it works out, Pat Narduzzi will look like a genius. Like if Phil Dracovic turns it around and I and they will have every right to, to look at all of us and say, told you guys he just needed time to gel and fit and, and figure it out. He was fine. You know, we will still say, hey, he still stunk those two games, but right. if he turns it around, they deserve every re- reason to plant that flag and say, see, this is what happens when you stick with it. And 
And to be fair, they've done that kind of stuff before, not with this specific players, but when people thought in 2020 after losing, what was it, four straight, and, and everyone thought this was this season was, was falling apart. They had just been shut out at home by Notre Dame, and then all of a sudden they come back and they're able to finish the season strong, and that kind of set up the 2021 run. Moments like that have defined this program, and I think have helped them rise to where they are today. But you cannot throw away all of this progress because of this. And, and so if, if Narduzzi's betting on that, Okay, but that is a very big bet with a lot of chips behind it. Yes, it is indeed. I mean, this is a guy who always bets on himself. He True. he expressed that today when he said, you know, you got to stick with your strategy, stick with your strategy. And there's been times where that worked. There's been times where it didn't work. More often than not recently, it has worked. Yeah. Where, But if you go prior to 2021, there's been a lot of times where – you know, that probably hurt the team more than it helped. So, I don't know. It's it's going to be certainly a, a very interesting week ahead. It's going to be an interesting season because, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. They've got a really tough test in North Carolina, and they follow that up with playing in another crazy atmosphere against a team that does not like them at night, similar to West Virginia, really. I mean, it, it's not it's going to be as intense, but it's going to be a hard place to play in Blacksburg at 8 p.m. I mean, th- there's a chance that things can get really out of hand here. We'll see how they turn it around. Chris, any final thoughts? Just that this weekend could be it, – it's, it's interesting. We, were, we sat with Ron Cook over the over the weekend uh he was he was it was a delightful to sit to sit with him and watch the backyard brawl and take in his experience and one thing he said that wasn't even about the backyard brawl he said i looked at that money line or that the the betting lines for the colorado colorado state game and he's like man it was a lot closer than a lot of people thought but that tells me that the vegas knows something that we don't that this game is going to be a lot closer and lo and behold that game went down to the wire fantastic finish colorado did win but colorado state covered I look at that spread. What is it? Six and a half points yeah. for, for, for Pitt, North, North Carolina. I legitimately thought it was going to be 13 and a half. Like I was, yeah. so maybe there's something here that, that that's going to turn around that we're not aware of. And maybe Vegas is right. Maybe Vegas is wrong, but I wouldn't be shocked if Pitt found a way to be competitive in this game, maybe not win, but at least show like, Hey, this team isn't, this team is capable of fighting in big games. And frankly, they need to show that as soon as possible, or this season will go off the rails. I completely agree. I mean, but I also disagreed with Pitt being a six and a half point favorite over Cincinnati and Vegas was big time wrong there. So we'll see. Um, that That's all we got for this week. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Keep tuning in to the Post-Gazette's uh, coverage of Pitt here on this channel and in all other sports. There's a pretty big football game that will have been played by the time Uh, You guys are watching this on YouTube Tuesday, so check out all of our coverage on the Steelers and everything else on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh (laughs) Post-Gazette.